Introduction There's a temptation in writing a book about suffering to romanticize one's struggles, or, worse, to insensitively rank and compare trials, as if victimhood were a matter of one-upsmanship. Far too many people have suffered the sort of tragic reversals that I have been spared, and no one but God knows or understands the full extent of another person's pain. At the same time, people who haven't experienced major setbacks sometimes feel that their hurts are somehow less legitimate or real. The English poet T.S. Eliot once wrote, All cases are unique and very similar to others. And I think he was on to something. Suffering is suffering, and it is universal. The sincere hope of this short book is to explore how the reality of human suffering, in all its forms, might relate to the truth of God's liberating grace in a way that is both honest and comforting. There are only a few guarantees in life, and unfortunately, the R.E.M. song, Everybody Hurts, articulates one of the most pronounced. We all suffer. Pain is unavoidable. And it's not a question of if, but when. It can take the form of a sudden catastrophe, such as the news of a brain tumor or an oncoming hurricane. Or, it could be something more ordinary, like a strained relationship that never seems to get easier, dragging on in a kind of dull ache. There are physical sources of suffering, of course, and there are emotional sources. Sometimes, they are one and the same. Sometimes, the source is obvious, and sometimes, it is hidden such as the slow-boiling anxiety or depression that haunts us even in our happiest moments. In fact, for some of us, pain has become such a pervasive fact of daily life that we've grown numb to it. Others feel it more acutely, doing whatever they can to alleviate the feeling by means of self-medication. Whatever your experience, whatever variety of pain you're most familiar with, the truth remains. Each of us suffers in some way, every single day. Sadly, the ways in which we cope with pain, loss, and tragedy often make the problems worse. Perhaps we roll up our sleeves and get down to the business of fixing things, and people. Or perhaps we succumb to the can-do, Pollyanna optimism of our surrounding culture, put on a happy face, and try to think positive. If only our churches were immune to such approaches. Have you ever felt like you couldn't share the details of a difficult situation without someone immediately offering a solution or a spiritual platitude? Have you ever responded that way yourself? The required cheerfulness that characterizes many of our churches produces a suffocating environment of pat, religious answers to the painful, complex questions that riddle the lives of hurting people. We will look at how this culture of mandatory happiness actually promotes dishonesty and more suffering. Why then do we suffer? Why does God allow so much of it? What, if anything, are we supposed to learn through it? And most importantly, when will it end? Nothing forces us to confront the deeper questions of life quite like suffering. Nothing makes us face the gnawing emptiness inside more nakedly. Nothing confirms our suspicion more powerfully that this is not how things are supposed to be. Naturally, 
philosophers and theologians have wrestled with the implications of suffering throughout the ages. They have asked, as we do, what suffering means, what it says about human beings and reality in general. In my book, Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything, I touched at some length on the everythingness inside every man and woman that begs to be met, the ravenous appetite that we all seek to fill, often via destructive and self-destructive behavior. In the 4th century, Augustine of Hippo captured this internal void in his Confessions by wisely observing, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Twelve centuries later, French thinker Blaise Pascal asked, What is it then which man in vain tries to fill from all his surroundings, seeking from things absent the help he does not obtain in things present? But these are all inadequate, because the infinite abyss can only be filled by an infinite and immutable object, that is to say, only by God himself. Later still, that inimitable English professor C.S. Lewis wrote, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. In other words, this side of heaven, suffering often points to a deeper reality, an indicator of both personal and cosmic discord. We are meant for something greater, something far less painful. Of course, understanding the root and inevitability of pain is rarely enough to alleviate or reduce it. The Nobel Prize-winning social psychologist Daniel Kahneman has built a storied career proving the limits of self-knowledge when it comes to suffering. Even when we know where the hurt is coming from, we tend to respond in one of two ways. We moralize or we minimize.